Welcome to Comedians with Ghost Stories. I am your host, writer and comedian, Emily Winter, and I have so much to say. One, I have some listener stories um, that I am going to read that I'm very excited about. Two, this episode rules so hard. I'm so excited for you to hear it. And three, if you are in the Madison, Wisconsin area, I am hosting a show this Thursday, August 17th, um, at the Rigby. You can get tickets on Eventbrite, and it's the show is called Husky Boy, and it's an hour of stand-up with my husband, Chris Calagero, who is preparing to tape a comedy album in October. So I get to host and open uh, for him while he does this. If you can come, that would be awesome. I keep forgetting to promote my shows on this podcast, but there are listeners. You're out there. So anyway, okay, so now back to thing one. I... Um, a, a listener named Nicole S reached out to me and she sent me her stories to read to you guys. So before we get to Tom Stewart, my guest today, I am going to read them. So Nicole says, okay, so my first experience took place when I was 17. I was staying for the night in my boyfriend's new apartment. It was part of the building of a well-known candy store in Pittsburgh, South, South side, SNS candy company. It's not that big of a deal what happened, but we both experienced it together. We were laying in his room with a mattress on the floor because he didn't yet have a bed frame. It was dark, and all of a sudden, there was this round ball of light trailing the baseboard along the wall until it disappeared into a cupboard. And that's it. Not that scary. Mm, Nicole, I think that's pretty scary. You have a, some kind of crazy orb, you know? Okay, now her next one says... This experience was pretty enthralling. I had picked up my son from the area next to mine. There's a bit of a long road connecting the two areas. My son was about 17 at the time, I believe. Anyway, it was dark and I sped up in order to make it through before the red light. As I approached the four-way intersection on my right, we both saw an all-white stick figure running from the right into the intersection before my car went through. It illuminated my dashboard and then it was gone. We both saw it and said nothing for a few minutes to take in what we had just seen. I suppose someone was killed in that intersection. There have been a lot of people killed on the, in the road itself, but never found anything specific about the intersection. Oh, wow, that one's crazy. This third experience was different. I cohabitated with my daughter's father for five years. At this, in this particular night, I was sleeping on one couch and he on the other. He woke me up around 3 in the morning saying, look above your head. There was a spinning weird thing with spokes and possibly lights just spinning above my head a, f a few feet up there. Once I saw it, it disappeared. I only remember seeing it and not being afraid and, fa and falling back to sleep. None of these experiences have scared me. But this last experience I should have uh, been afraid of, but was not due to probably being a little intoxicated and just compounded with life. I was sitting in my bed in my room watching TV and my nephew was standing in the doorway and saw that there was a dark figure standing next to me. My nephew has gifts, knowing things and such. He one time told me about my uncle's death and the circumstances surrounding it and he hadn't even been born yet. My uncle was labeled schizophrenic by some family members. Anyway, he drowned in the river here in Pittsburgh. Very bizarre circumstances. We're not really sure what happened. But he told his wife that it would just be her and their girls from now on three days beforehand. On this day, he had to go to work a bit far away and his truck was found running in an, 
Eaton Park restaurant, he evidently ran across the highway into the woods and jumped into the river and drowned. My nephew was with me this one day, and we were driving over a bridge over the river, and all of a sudden he said, Our family member was holding me. He died. He jumped in the river and died. He was depressed. I was so shocked, because he's very sensitive, and that's the type to make up stories. It still gives me chills. Anyway, enjoy. Wow, amazing. Love these stories. Thank you so much, Nicole. And I hope you enjoy this episode uh, from comedian Tom Stewart. Today on the podcast, I'm super excited to have comedian Tom Stewart. Tom, thank you for doing the pod. Hey, Emily. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh, I'm really excited to have you because I didn't realize this. You have a paranormal podcast that is all of your own stories because you have so many. Yes. Yes. That, I live two lives. Wild. I'm I'm a comedian and a paranormal guy. Oh, perfect. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. I could not ask for yeah. a better guest. Um, I know. This is like the perfect podcast for me to be on. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, okay, what story do you want to start with? Oh, there's, I have so many stories. Like you said, I have a, a podcast. I've got over 70 episodes of different experiences that have happened to me, whether it be in my personal life or stories from investigating. Because at one time I was a paranormal investigator. Um, so yeah, I've got so many stories. I think uh, the one I'll tell you is the one that um, kind of got the podcast started. This was a story yes. I used to tell most people. The podcast was born because I always had stories to tell people and people are always like, oh, tell so-and-so that story and tell my friend this story. So I was like, you know, why don't I just do a podcast and tell all these stories and then everybody can just listen to them. Yes. So one of them was some years ago, this was probably early 2000s, maybe late 90s. Um, I was living in a house on Cemetery Street. So that was the first red flag. <laughs> <laughs> what city is this? This is in Providence, Rhode Island. Okay, okay. And it literally was, the house was right across the street from a cemetery. Oh my gosh, I'm really on the nose with that name. Yes, yep. Now, it was a, it was a, not a huge house, but there were four of us living there. We were all roommates. And I moved in because I was in between places to live. And one of the rooms in this house had opened up. Mm -hmm. And I had a friend who was already living there and I had visited there many times before. Um, so I was kind of a regular at the house. And then when a bedroom opened up and I needed a place to live, I was able to live there for about a year or so. Now, as a visitor, I had heard some of the other roommates telling stories about different things that happened to them, that there was definitely a ghost in the house. But those roommates were girls. And so us guys used to just laugh about it, you know, uh -huh. how it goes. But I ended up moving into the house and it was three guys and one woman. And uh, I took one of the bedrooms upstairs. There was two bedrooms upstairs. And uh, the bedroom I took was apparently the most haunted one. Oh, gosh. Did you know that uh, at the time? I was told, but I didn't really it didn't really bother really? me. I just kind of was like, whatever, you know. Yeah. So I moved in and was living there for a little while. And like most hauntings like most haunted houses it started off slowly mm -hmm. just started noticing strange little things happening in my room um you know i would come home from work some days and i would notice some things removed in my room and i'd be like who was in my bedroom you know mm -hmm. why mm -hmm. were you guys in there and none of my roommates you know would claim they were in there it's just like a pair of socks is on a different 
table or something. It, that, it was like, it was like, well, one of them that used to, one of the things that used to get moved all the time was I had an autographed baseball, uh, okay. Roger Clemens autographed baseball. And it was in one of those plastic cubes to protect it. Mm-hmm. And I would keep it on my bureau towards the back up against the wall. And on more than one occasion, I would come home from work, go up to my room, and the baseball would be moved to the front of the bureau, which is not a place I would ever put it. And that used to like, I, you know, I always notice little things when they're, they're moved. It's like one of those things about me. Any, you move the littlest thing. I, everything has its place for me. So uh, okay. I always know when something not where it belongs. So when I would come home and see little things like that, that moved, I was getting aggravated. Like, who keeps going in my bedroom? Mm-hmm. So that was weird. And then um, I'm one of those people who closes doors, closes drawers. I don't like to leave things open. Mm-hmm. And there was uh, one day. I go into the shower to take a shower, getting ready for work. And I come back into my bedroom and all four drawers, all four drawers on my bureau were pulled out and my closet door was wide open. And I would never have done that. And they weren't open when I went into the shower. Oh my gosh. And now they were open. So now I'm thinking, why would someone come in my room and do this? Mm -hmm. Are they trying to play trick on me or what's going on? And it's like, you know, only like one or two roommates was even home and they're getting ready for work too. So why would they be, you know, doing this? So it was just little things like that kept happening. And then there was one morning where my alarm clock didn't work. It didn't, it didn't ring in the morning and I was running late for work now. No. Now I'm an OCD person. So I had an alarm clock, an electric alarm clock on my bureau and it had a battery in it as a backup, just in case the power goes out. And I would always set the alarm on my cell phone as well. So I would have a, a, a few different oh. foolproof ways of making sure I get up in the morning. Yeah. And none of them worked one morning. Oh my gosh. And, and coincidentally, all three of my other roommates, none of their alarms went off either. All four of us were late for work that day because oh. nobody's alarms were working, whether it was cell phones, whether it was clocks, whether it was battery operated, it didn't matter. How do so you explain to your boss one. that like, I'm sorry, I'm late. I, uh, a go- it's a ghost yeah. fault. <laughs> a ghost <laughs> broke my alarm clock. Yeah. I have to blame it on the ghost. <laughs> <laughs> now at the time I still wasn't saying, Oh, the house is haunted, but my roommate, the one female roommate, she used to live in the bedroom that I was in. She had mm-hmm. moved and made herself a bedroom in the basement because she didn't like being in that bedroom anymore. Man, it's really haunted if the the next best choice is the yeah. basement. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, it was kind of a built-up basement, so it wasn't too spooky. But yeah. still, it's like to move down there uh, by yourself, you know. But uh, but she used to tell me, yeah, there's a ghost in that bedroom and things are going to happen. And, you know, so they started, things just started adding up. My girlfriend at the time, she would sleep over sometimes. And she would wake up in the middle of the night and tell me that she sees somebody in the corner of the room. Like she sees a oh. black mass staring at her. And, you know, and again, I kind of wrote it off. But this was right about the time that I started feeling like there is something going on here because I started having strange nightmares. All these nightmares were dark and just sad, like people dying or seeing my friends get into accidents and witnessing it like in the dream. All kinds of weird things like that. I would wake up literally crying <gasps> from a dream. I remember one night I had a dream and I woke up and the dream was that I had died and I was at my own funeral watching everybody coming up to me in the casket. And when I woke up, I was laying on my back in bed with my arms crossed <gasps> over my chest as if I oh, was in the, the coffin. That's really scary to me. I don't know why. 
Yeah. Very, very vivid, strange dreams that I was having. And I think one of the spookiest moments before I get to the big one was I was in my bedroom. I had a small computer desk and I would play video games till like two in the morning or something. And I'm sitting at the desk. It's, you know, my room's pretty much dark other than the computer screen. And I'm playing my video game. And to the right of my desk, I had one of those full length oval mirrors that's on two legs. Mm -hmm. I think they call it a shovel mirror. And, you know, you can adjust it. And as I'm sitting at my desk playing my computer game through the corner of my eye, I see the move, the mirror moving as if somebody was adjusting it. Oh, my God. And it just kept going until the whole mirror was horizontal. It just (gasps) slowly moved. It It wasn't like it was loose and it moved. But I just sat there looking at it moving, going, all right, there's definitely something in this room. Oh, that's so so freaky. I contemplated, but then I reached over. And to try to straighten the mirror back up, thinking to myself, what am I going to see in this mirror when I mm-hmm. when I make it straight again? And I slowly pushed it back into spite into place. And the thing was, is I could tell it was still pretty tight, like the nuts on it, the bolts mm-hmm. were tight. So it wasn't like it was loose. So I had to give it a little bit of a, a, a nudge to get it there. And nothing was in the mirror, thankfully, behind me. <sighs> like it, I thought for <sighs> sure it was going to be you know, something right, right out of a horror movie that there'd be some sort of a nun or something standing by. Yes. Oh, that is so scary. Um, So that was when I was like, all right, maybe my roommates are right. Maybe there is something going on in this house. And this was right about the same time that TV shows like Ghost Hunters had come out and people were watching it. And I was always a big fan of horror movies and and, and all paranormal things. Um, So the big night, the big thing that happened one night was I came home from work. It was late at night. I'd gone out after work. It was like one in the morning upstairs to my room i go to bed pass out i'm sleeping a couple hours during the to the middle of the night it feels like somebody sits down on my bed you know how like you're laying in bed and if somebody sits down on the end of it you can kind of feel the impression of it now it didn't startle me because i thought maybe it might be my roommate's cat Mm -hmm. she's the one that moved into the basement she had a pet cat and the cat still thought that this was his bedroom because that was where she you know she used to be so every once in a while, the cat would come into my room and jump onto the bed and sleep next to me, which I didn't mind. Um, but this time it just felt a little bit heavier than a cat. And as I'm laying there kind of half asleep, I can feel whatever it is straddle me and sit on my chest. And that's when I like got scared. I opened my eyes and I could see an, the face of an old man. And he was like, in black and his face was like kind of gray and he was definitely old and wrinkly and he had like this black like top hat type of hat on Ooh, and he, hat was, man. he was swinging at me with both hands like he was trying to punch me and nothing was hitting me it wasn't hurting me but I definitely like put through my arms up to defend myself and then jumped out of bed turned the light on and nothing was there the room was empty. It was just me. No cat, no nothing. Oh, my God. Wow. So when I told my roommate about it, she was like, oh, yeah, that's the old man. She's like, I've seen him a few times. She said that more than once she would make wake up in the middle of the night and he would just be staring at her like his face would be right in her face, like <gasps> inches away. And she said that was why she didn't want to be in that room anymore. So I was like, all right. So that was weird. 
this is crazy. Oh my gosh. So do you, do you yep. find out like who, yep. I don't want to stop your flow, but like, did you find out like who yep. this guy was or anything? I did some, in, some investigating and I'll tell you towards the end, but one of my other roommates, a male roommate, he was the guy that I was friends with for the years before I moved in there. And he had never admitted to ever having any kind of a paranormal experience or anything. But after I told him about the old man trying to hit me, all of a sudden his face just went blank and it was just him and I talking. And he looked at me, he said, you know what? He goes a few years ago, well, when I used to use that bedroom, he goes, I swear to God, the same thing happened to me. It, I woke up in the middle of the night and I thought an old guy was trying to attack me. He goes, I just thought I was drunk dreaming, you know? And, and, oh and he God. was the kind of person who was very serious and would never really talk about these things. So for him yeah. to admit that to me was like, wow, it was eye opening. Holy cow. <laughs> it's so funny that he's trying to beat up the boys and he's just watching creepily the girls. <laughs> yep. Yep. So there was one other thing that kind of definitely made the whole seem real. Uh, I come home from work one day. This is a few days after the old man incident come home from work one day and my my roommate the male roommates in the living room with some guy that I don't know and he introduces me he's like Tom this is so and so so and so this is Tom how you doing I'm like hey what's up he goes oh this is my friend he's from California but he's originally from here and he used to he used to live in the house and I was like oh cool and the guy shakes my hand leans in and goes have you seen the old man yet <laughs> just like that said anything about it i've never met the guy before but when he found out that i was in that bedroom he was just in town visiting and he still remembered the old man so that was like four different people who had experiences yes. with this and guy. were you like yes absolutely he tried to beat me up oh yeah yep yep and he's like yeah that old guy he's angry about something so that house that those incidents made me want to become a paranormal investigator mm -hmm. and i had already had a lot of knowledge in the field because I kind of grew up being really interested in everything paranormal, mm -hmm. you know, friends with Ouija boards or friends who practice witchcraft. I was an urban explorer. I went into abandoned buildings and forests and, you know, cemeteries and everything. I wanted to learn everything there was about the paranormal. Nothing scared me. It was always just very interesting to me. Mm. So when I ended up in this haunted house, <clears throat> And I started seeing things like ghost hunters on TV and these people who were investigating. I was like, I want to be an investigator mm -hmm. and I want to help people with their situations in their homes, you know? So that ended up leading me to becoming an investigator. So I started doing some research on the house. And the closest I could come to was this area of land <clears throat> at one time had been one huge property. We're talking a long time ago, probably like early 1900s mm -hmm. and this one man owned the whole property and the city was starting to grow and they wanted to commercialize the area they wanted to use his land to make businesses and build more houses and things and he didn't want to give it up mm -hmm. you know they kept offering him money for his land and he didn't want to give it up and finally they ended up taking it from him using like some sort of a law some sort of a government program and he got forced to have to give up his land. So I'm wondering if this guy is still on attached to the land and attacking anybody who's living on his land that yeah. he think belongs there. Yeah. That's the closest I've come to a reason for this old guy in the house. Did you get his name? 
I never got the name. I, I think I got the name, but I don't recall it. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, there wasn't a lot of information out there about him. Um, I mean, it all that checks out. It makes sense. It does make sense. Yeah. I mean, I'll go with it. You know. Yeah. About yeah. a year later, I had already moved out of the the house on Cemetery Street, and all my friends and all my roommates who had lived there at one time, they all eventually had moved out too. So, at this point, about a year later. There are people living in the house, but I don't know who any of them are. I decided I'm going to send them an email. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm going to send them a letter in the mail. So I just wrote out a letter that said, hi, my name is Tom. I used to live in this house about a year ago, and I had a lot of strange experiences, as did my roommates. We think the house might be haunted. And the reason I'm writing is because if you're having any of these same experiences, I would like to help you if I can. I'm now a paranormal investigator and I work with a great team of people who are very good at this. I was like, so if you just need someone to talk to or you would like someone to come in and work with you on the situation, we'd be happy to. You can reach out to me. And I I gave them my address. I gave them my email. And a week or two later, somebody emailed me from the house and they basically said, we appreciate you reaching out to us. Uh, we haven't had any incidents since yet, but if we do, we'll we'll keep your name and we'll reach out to you. And I never heard from them again, so I don't know. Whoa, whoa! Maybe the know. old man let it go, or they uh, maybe, yeah, or maybe they just didn't want help. I mean, I don't know. Everybody's yeah. situation is different, but that was my story of my uh, when I lived on Holy cemetery. Holy cow! Street. Holy cow! And yeah. then and then you've had a career as a paranormal investigator ever since. Well, I don't do it as much anymore. I only go out once in a while. But for for several years, I was uh, an investigator and case manager for Rise Up Paranormal, which is a group out of Rhode Island in Massachusetts. And mm-hmm. we investigate. We were investigating all over New England area. And they're still at it. They're still fantastic people. I'm still friends with all of them. And once in a great while, I'll, I'll go out and do an investigation with them maybe once or twice a year. Um, it's, it, I'm just too busy with other things these days to do yeah. it all the time. But, but for a good six, seven years, I was doing it like almost every weekend and I got to experience and go into some of the most historic and haunted locations in the country. Oh my them. goodness. And, and in almost all situations, we had the places to ourselves. You know, I'm talking like mansions in Newport, you know, oh, I'm talking, cool. uh, haunted lighthouses and museums and just anything you can think of. I mean, stuff that's been investigated on the TV shows that you watch, you know, places like, you know, ghost hunters and ghost adventures and all those TV shows. I've investigated all those places that are local. And then a bunch of others that I've even been on TV. Do you have Uh, any particular favorites or things that stick out in your mind? From investigating? Yeah. There's, there was a couple of really interesting places. Uh, one of my favorites was Belcourt Castle, which is in Newport, Rhode Island. Okay. I love Newport. Very, very old castle mansion looking type thing. It's it's not as glamorous and beautiful as some of the ones you might see on TV or on the internet, but very, very nice. And there was a woman who was from the family who owned it, and she was the only one living there still. And she just had this small little living space in the whole mansion. And the rest of the mansion, she would just rent it out for people who wanted to have weddings or proms and things like that. But the place was very haunted, and she was interested in doing ghost tours there. So she asked our group to come in and asked us if we'd be interested in hosting some ghost tours with the mm-hmm. public during the summer. 
And we said, we'd be willing to do it, but we've got one condition. And she said, what? We said, we want the whole place to ourselves for three investigations. We want to learn everything we can about this place. And we want to mm -hmm. get it firsthand without the public being here, without anyone else being here. Yeah. And so she agreed to that and we got to investigate the whole place. I mean, places where the public didn't even allow or allowed to go. We got to investigate everything there. And there were so many different places in there and different things that would happen. We caught electronic voice phenomena, which is like when you get a ghost voice on your recorder. What you did it say? Dozens and dozens of those. There were a few different, really interesting ones. Some simple ones like get out, things like that. But uh, there was one really cool one that said, um, um, turn off your weapon, something like that. And we think that it was because we were using all these electronic gadgets that yeah. they weren't familiar with. So they thought maybe it was a weapon. Um, but there's no reason for anybody or anyone else to have said that phrase. Right. You know, right. You know? And it's and it's something that we catch on a recorder that we didn't hear ourselves in the room. It was kind of somehow digitally implanted there. So different things like that. We caught video of a door closing on its own. Um, and this was like a big wooden door. Okay. And like not one that would just swing closed. Yeah. yeah, this isn't something that's going to swing closed because of a breeze. You know what I mean? Right. Like, this was like a, an old wooden heavy door. And it was, you know, like eight feet tall. This was a mansion. And I remember when it happened because we had a uh, an infrared camera set up in the hallway facing that doorway because there were reports of shadows that would go by that doorway. Mm -hmm. And I just happened to be on the other side of that doorway in an adjacent room. And while I was in that room, I heard somebody close that door. And I just thought, oh, maybe somebody's investigating out there and we right. were making too much noise in here. So they were trying to close the door. And then when I found out later that there was nobody at the door because the video camera shows the door closing on its own and there's nobody around on either side of it. So interesting stuff like that. One of my favorite parts about the Belcourt Castle, though, was we did every weekend we did public investigations. So, you know, like about 20 people could pay whatever it was, 25 bucks or whatever, to come in and do an investigation with us for five or six hours. Mm -hmm. And we would break them up into small groups of like four and five people. And then we'd go off into different areas. And at the end of each little investigation, you know, like one group would go here for an hour, one group would go there for an hour. And after that hour, we'd all meet in the middle again. <clears throat> and we'd have them fill out a little form. Did you experience anything? What did you feel? Mm -hmm. Did you think the room was cold? Did you think it was hot? Did you hear any strange noises? We would just have them write things down. And we kept all those sheets for the entire summer. And we found out that people were having some of the same experiences at different times, people who never met, but in the same locations. That's awesome. One, one awesome example was the music room. The music room was this room that had like some old instruments in it, an old mm -hmm. harp, an old piano, um, some, you know, like horns and things. And the history of the music room was the children who grew up in this mansion used to go into that room to learn music. So there was a lot of reports of a little girl, her spirit being in that room. We had caught um, audio of what sounds like a little girl singing to herself a couple of times. But one of the reports we used to get was women would feel their hair get tugged on. And this kept happening week after week. Yeah. Whenever there'd be a woman in one of the groups, 
they would claim that it felt like somebody pulled their hair. And we used to put an infrared camera in there for all our sessions too. And when you would see it on the camera, you would see the woman's reaction, like kind of like jerking away, like who just pulled my hair. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times they would slap their boyfriend thinking it was them trying to scare them, trying to play <laughs> a trick on them. Um, and the boyfriend's just like, I didn't do anything. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's hard to dismiss that because it happened week after week. Women with long hair would have their hair pulled in that room. And they'd be sitting in the middle of the room. It's not like it got caught on something. Right, or, right. You know, it was always just a little tug, nothing, you know, too scary, but just enough where like maybe it was a little girl trying to get their attention. Oh, wow. That's cool. So that was always an interesting place. Another great place. This is what I call the most haunted place I've ever been to. It's Ooh. called the Pain House. The Pain House? Yep. Pain okay. House. P-A-I-N-E. Named <laughs> after one of the one of the previous owners. But this this building was built in the 1600s, late 1600s very historic. It's been many, many things over the years. It's been many different residences. It's currently a museum, but it's also been um, a bed and breakfast. It mm -hmm. was uh, actually uh, um, an illegal bar during Prohibition at one time. Amazing. All these different things. And this house, I must have investigated it personally seven or eight times. And I've been back a few times since. And every single time I have gone into this building, something paranormal happens whether it's you see a shadow walk across a hallway or you hear footsteps on the floor above you and nobody is up there and just evp recordings after evp recordings and one of the most interesting ones to me this evp recording was more interesting than any i've ever heard on a tv show anywhere or anywhere in a movie we were doing an investigation with rise up paranormal i was with my group at the time and, and sorry, where is this? Would, where is this house? Oh, the Payne House is in Coventry, Rhode Island. Okay. And it's still there, and they still do some ghost tours there in the summer and at Ooh, Halloween too. If you want to go to a cool place, my friends at Rise Up Paranormal still host stuff there. And so we were on investigation a while back when we first started investigating there. And one of the things we would do on an investigation before we turn the lights off, before we start investigating, we would do what we like to call a walkthrough. We would just kind of walk through all the rooms of the house on all the floors and just try to get a visual idea of where everything is, mm -hmm. you know, so that we can kind of have like a just a little imprint in our brain of where everything is. But we'd also have somebody with a video camera walking around just just to get on video the layout. of where everything is. Yeah. Yeah. So let me take a sip. Losing my voice. So we were doing the walkthrough. Lights are on. We're not investigating. It's just a few of us walking around. And uh, one of the members from Rise Up, Julie, who's an unbelievable video videographer, she's still with the with the group. She was the type that always has a video camera going, always mm -hmm. recording audio and video, no matter what. So during the walkthrough, she had her camera going. And as we were walking up the stairs to go from the second floor to the third floor, she caught on her camera after we reviewed it days later. She caught a voice on her camera of a little girl saying this, they're coming, they're coming. And what's cool about that is, number one, it's a little girl's voice in this house at 10 o'clock at night, which should yeah. be there. Number one, it's a voice that, that is clearly heard on the audio, but we didn't hear it. We should have heard it. Mm -hmm. But what I found interesting was who was she talking to? 
this little girl's voice, she was warning somebody that we were coming. So does that mean oh. spirits can talk to each other? Was she talking to other spirits in the room with her? And that's something I've never seen any of these TV shows address. Right, right. Anything. Like they're really interacting. Yes, they're responding to your existence and interacting with each other. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that one kind of blew my mind. That was always yeah. one of my one of my more favorite EVPs was that a ghost was warning the other ghosts that here come the people. Well, that sort of leads me to the question of what do you think these ghosts are? Like, what do you, you know, you've been doing this for a long time and what's your yeah. take on what this stuff is? I, I can't say anything definitive. Um, obviously, the standard definition is that, you know, the spirit is of somebody who used to be living and now they're just stuck someplace. They're attached to something. That seems to be the conventional thing, but I don't I don't know how to explain how it's happening. I don't know if it's a dimensional thing, if it's some sort of a quantum physics thing, if it's a biological thing with us. Um, I from what I can tell, it has something to do with energy. That much I know, because mm -hmm. every time we're able to get on record something paranormal happening, whether it be an EVP or somebody sees something, there's always something electrical that goes along with it. There'll mm. be a spike. There'll be a spike in electromagnetic fields, or the camera will see like this electric pulse going across the screen. Different things like that. And I was the kind of investigator I liked to. I like to experiment a lot. So I did this experiment once. This was at a different house. It was a house that we investigated a few times in Providence. This house used to be a hostel at one time. So the third floor was just all these little bedrooms. And in the seventies, you know, gypsies and people who were just kind of nomadic, they would just pop in and live there for a week or two or whatever. And the people who lived in the house currently were afraid to go up to that third floor that they considered to be very haunted. And when we investigated it, we did find a lot of different evidence of things being haunted up there. It was a very reliable place to catch uh, EVP action, electronic mm -hmm. voice phenomena. So I decided one day I wanted to experiment. So I took two identical audio, digital audio recorders, mm -hmm. and I snipped off the end of some headphones so that I had just the jack part, and I jammed that into the microphone port on one of the recorders, okay. which meant that the recorder with the jack in it can't record any audio because the microphone's been disabled from that jack being put in it. Okay. But the second recorder can record just fine. And what I did was I put them both in the same room, maybe six inches apart, and started them both recording at the same time. And it just so happens we caught an EVP during that session. Amazing. So when I took the audio from the normal uh, working device and I put it into my computer and looked at it in an audio editing uh, software, you see all the little waves of just the noise, just the, the background static. But then you see the bump in the waves of where the voice was. And you can mm -hmm. hear the little voice in the background saying something. Then I took the same exact audio and put that track into the computer. And there's nothing there because it can't record anything. So it's just the electronics on the wave. But then right at the same exact spot where the other recorder recorded sound, this recorder had a bump in its wave at the same exact spot. So it didn't record audio, but something electronic still happened to the device at the oh. same time as the other one recorded audio, you see? 
That's so that fascinating. Tells, that tells me that something electronic is happening when spirits are trying to communicate. Yeah. And huh. that makes sense because sound has to do with vibration. And mm-hmm. a spirit doesn't have a physical form, so it can't vibrate. So it has to use something electronic and vibrate that in order to make something come out. Now, how it's able to do it and then make it sound like speech, we're not sure. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. but for me, through my experimentations, I feel like there's something electronic going on. That it's, is it's, fascinating. It was the same with video. Uh, a member of Rise Up, the, the founder of the group, Ken, he was at the paint house one night and he was just sitting in a room by himself, just trying to see if anything happens. And he saw what looked like an image of a little girl walk across the hallway in front of him. And he saw it with his eyes and he was blown away. He's like, oh, my God, I just saw a ghost. Mm -hmm. And he was like so amped up and wanted to tell us all about it. And then he realized, oh, my God, I had my video camera going at the same time, pointing right in that direction. And when we checked the recorder at that point, the video recorder, it didn't show a little girl going across the hallway. It showed a pulsing orb. It almost looked electronic going across from one doorway into the hallway and then disappearing into the other doorway. It wasn't dust or a bug because it was a complete straight line left to right. And it was pulsing because we're used to seeing dust on these cameras. We're used Mm -hmm. to seeing bugs flying by and, you know, whatever. This was something, something we'd never seen before. And that and some other footage from the paint house was actually so good that it actually got us on a television show many years ago. Oh, wow. Congrats. What show were you on? There was a a show. It's not on anymore. But back in the day, it was called My Ghost Story, I think. Mm -hmm. It was on the Bio channel. Remember the Bio channel? Yeah. (laughs) And so they did one of their episodes. They did like a segment on the paint house. And they had some of us there reenacting it and stuff. That was kind of a a cool thing. But they showed the footage of of that orb going across the screen, the electronic orb. And then we also had footage of a rocking chair at the paint house rocking with nobody in it which was pretty wild. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Ah, I love it. This is great. I feel so like, all, I, Oh, go ahead. All, all these stories are on my podcast. Every yes. episode is a different story from a different location or a different time in my life. Some of it's from childhood. Some of it's adulthood. Do you want to talk about your podcast? Sure. Yeah. It's called my, my paranormal story. Pretty simple title. And like I said, every episode is just me telling my story. I don't interview anybody. I don't do it. There's like some spooky music to add some element to it. Sometimes I throw in a sound effect or two, but mostly it's like we're sitting by a campfire and I'm telling you my spooky story like I just did for you. Yeah. Amazing. Well, I feel like this is up the list, our listeners alley, of course. So that is awesome. So (laughs) So I'm going to also subscribe to your podcast. Um, Do you, do you want to tell any more ghost stories or do you want to tell people where they can find your comedy and, and everything you do online? Surprisingly, yes, I'm also a stand-up comedian, which people think is weird to have these two things. I don't. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, you know, people are always telling me, do you ever tell your ghost stories in comedy or do you ever use comedy with your ghosts? And I'm like, you know, what? I get booze either way. So <laughs> um, I'm actually trying to write like a good 30 minute set of jokes that are paranormal related so I can go to like the paranormal expos and be like the entertainment or something. Yes, yes. But yeah, I mean, for comedy, I work up here in New England mostly. Um, I work for a company called Funny for Funds. We do lots of comedy night fundraisers for different causes, 
charities, youth sports leagues, PTOs, things like that. Um, but I also get out and do some club work too, headliners, chunkies. You know, I get to the casinos in Connecticut once in a while, uh, things like that. Uh, I've been doing comedy for 13 years now. Um, but yeah, I'd like to do a little, like be a paranormal comedian too at some point. That is awesome. That. that is so wonderful. And uh, do you have any socials that you would like people to follow you on? Yeah, if you want to um, follow my paranormal stuff, uh, my paranormal story podcast, it's on Instagram and it's on Facebook. And I usually give updates and stuff on there. Uh, the Instagram, I usually do lots of funny paranormal memes and stuff. Awesome. And then I also update everybody when I have a new episode coming out. I haven't done an ep- a new episode in a couple of months. I've had technical issues. But please check out the the podcast. Uh, I love it. My Paranormal Story. You can find it anywhere you get podcasts. It's all over the place. Amazing. Uh, and uh, yeah. And the website is myparanormalstory.com. Perfect. Well, Tom, thank you so much for taking the time to do this podcast. I'm really excited to put it out. Yes. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Comedians with Ghost Stories. If you liked this episode, please rate and review it wherever you get your podcasts and where people can find it. If you would like to follow me, I'm at Emily MC Winter on social media, and Comedians with Ghost Stories is on Instagram if you just search it. I'm still barely putting anything up there, but I will. I will, and it's going to be great. Okay, thank you.